Welcome to another episode of the Cambridge Endurance Sports Podcast. And it's another fantastic episode today. I really can't stress enough what a pleasure it was to chat with Louis Rolf, Paralympic gold cycling medalist and pride of Cambridge. And more than his cycling prowess and everything else in his ability as an athlete, it really came across what a humble and wonderful guy Louis is. And it really has made my evening and made the podcast, I think, talking to him. I'm really delighted. Please, please share this episode. Before we get into that, there's a few little bits of news. Um, Catching up on some former guests. I mentioned in the episode with John Morley that he and, in fact, Alan Pritchard both took part in the 3,000 metres event which the university put on at the track last Wednesday. They both did very well. Alan got just under 10 minutes with a 9.59 and John actually went a bit better, got a 9.47. And at that same event, uh, Jonathan Escalante Phillips, who we've mentioned a few times, of course, last year's Cambridge Half Marathon winner, he did a 1.500 and I believe he did a 3.52 there, which is not too shabby. And I think he doubled up and did an 800 as well in under two minutes. So fantastic running from them. Uh, on the subject of the Cambridge Half Marathon, you'll be hearing your, the result of your ballot entries soon. Um, and information I have as an insider is that I think you're going to be happy with what you hear. I'll say no more than that. Uh, we've also decided and had confirmed that next year's race will be back in March, on March the 6th. So I think that's brilliant. So there's the October 17th race this year, 2021, and we're back to the old March date, March the 6th for 2022. Now, it's not strictly speaking an endurance sport, but supporting a team like Cambridge United is an endurance sport in itself, and we've got something to celebrate. Yes, Cambridge United, we've been promoted to League One. I know it doesn't sound a lot for you Liverpool, Man United and Chelsea fans, but here in Cambridge it's great, it's fantastic that our city now has a club back sort of where it deserves in the third tier of uh, English football. And um, I'm hoping for some away days next season, maybe to Ipswich, Charlton, Sheffield Wednesday, places like that. It's great news. Congratulations to the mighty U's. Well, I'm truly delighted to have Louis Rolf with me this afternoon. And he's 
definitely my first world and Olympic medalist. He's a Paralympic track cyclist. He's got a gold medal in the, from Rio and he's got a bronze medal. He's got world championships and we're going to go all into that very shortly. But first of all, I want to say hello, Louis, and uh, how are you today? Hello, man. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's my, my pleasure. And uh, tell us, I mean, you're a Cambridge boy and you, you told me you're back in Cambridge now, up there on Newmarket Road. Tell us a bit about um, your childhood, where you went to school and how you first made friends with a bicycle. So, uh, as you say, I'm a Cambridge boy, born and bred. Oh. Uh, so I went to primary school in uh, Fenditon, at Fenditon Primary. Ah, well, I used to live there, yeah. Yeah, and then um, I, for secondary school, I went to Coleridge and Parkside throughout my secondary career. And then uh, after secondary school, I went to CRC uh, on King's Edges Road. Yeah. And then from CRC, I then went full-time cycling and... uh, that's what I've been doing ever since I left CRC. Brilliant. And when did when did you actually first really get an interest in cycling then? Where were you at? I mean, it's great to hear you've uh, been attending some of the best educational institutions that the city has to offer. He says in a very biased way as someone who works at Parkside. But uh, w- were you at Parkside when you first sort of started riding a bike properly or was it before or after that? So I... So I actually came to uh, a proper bike quite late. So I started to learn on a trike yeah. when I was like seven, eight years old. Uh, I was a swimmer beforehand, so that was my main way of uh, doing physio because as someone who's got cerebral palsy, it was quite important in the early years to uh, keep mobile and uh I'd be lying if I said that I enjoyed physio at that young age, but uh, swimming was a good way of uh, allowing me to do physio without me knowing it as Mm. a kid who's eight years old. So I found that helped me just with general life stuff. And... uh, was that with Cambridge? Yeah, sorry, was that with was that with Cambridge City of Cambridge Swimming Club, or just on your own, or what? Yeah, yeah. so uh, my my mum actually uh, started up a uh, disability swimming club. Yeah. With the Cambridge uh, City Swimming Club, around the time that I was seven, eight years old, and I think that's still going today. Oh, amazing. So, that's cool. So I swam with them until I was about 14, 15. And then when I got into cycling uh, from about 15, properly with GB, uh, my coach kind of gave me a bit of an ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sorry, to go back to your original question, I started to learn a, a ride. I started to learn to ride a two wheel bike when I was about 11. Yeah. So fairly late in, in the normal, normal sort of aspect of when I could get on a bike. But yeah, I was, I was actually inspired by my sister, who's five years younger than me. So mm-hmm. when I saw she was riding a two wheel bike, I was like, I'm not having any of that. 
Excellent. That's great motivation. Yeah, I suppose this yeah, is a, this this is as good a time as any then to talk about your situation. I mean, you're in, you're in the C two category, yeah. G- yeah. Is um, you've said you've um, you got cere- cerebral palsy. How how is the C two class defined then? Is it more general so, than that? So within parasiting, you've got five categories. Um, you've got the C one to five. Yeah. C one is the most impaired. Mm-hmm. And then C5 is the least impaired. Right. So uh, people in my category uh, usually have those sort of two uh, defining disabilities. You've either got people who've got the use of one leg. Yeah. So they, they're fully able-bodied other than they're just missing one leg. And then you've got the other aspect of my class, who uh, where people have got cerebral palsy or some sort of uh, yeah some sort of cerebral palsy which affects uh, all all of, all of our limbs but uh, so it, it uh, and uh, yeah so that that's just in my category yeah depending on other classifiable disabilities they'll be in other ca- other categories sure sure and is that um a sort of moving goalpost do you have to be re- reassessed regularly so i think uh to be eligible to ride an international event you have to have two international classifications which uh for anyone who's gone through a classification they will know <laughs> that it isn't uh that of an experience right. but it's something that it's something that has to be done and uh, yeah so that kind of uh, and then once you've had a, uh, a few classifications I think it's like two international classifications you are then confirmed for a certain period of time so, so what's the what's the worst bit about it then just the experience itself or how it makes you feel before and after or well, it's, it's just the fact that uh, the classifiers have to do the job, and in order, in order them, in order for them to do their job properly, they have to kind of see how flexible you are, or see how yeah you, you can do one exercise and you can't do an, another exercise. So it's a it's fairly grueling uh, half an hour or so. Yeah, and I bet they have to sort of push you through it themselves. Otherwise. You know, I could turn up there and pretend not to be able to move my arm or whatever, couldn't I? So they've got to, like, obviously be thorough to, to make sure none of that's going yeah. on, haven't they? This is it. So this is why uh, it's not the most pleasant of experiences, but at the same time, it's, a, it's an experience that has to be yeah. uh, has to be done to um, make it so it's a level playing field for the athletes. Sure, sure. So have you been C2 as long right through, or has your category changed at any point? Yeah, yeah. Right, right, brilliant. Okay, right, we've got that one out of the way. Let, let's go back to your school days then. So you've now, you're now riding a bike, and and you said it was pretty soon. You're pretty early on that you were with Team GB. So how did you hook up with them, or they hook up with you, as it were? So I I got picked up by uh, British Cycling in uh, late early 2013. So I, I was inspired by what I saw. In London, yeah, 
And uh, I think the year before, in 2011, I've been to the Track Nationals in uh, Manchester with my dad, mm-hmm. which was quite cool because we got to see the likes of Chris Hoy and, yeah, Laura Trot ride the village on, which was fantastic. And, uh, yeah. And then uh, we met some people from BC at the Track Nationals. Which was quite cool. So, yeah. So we went going to the Nationals in 2011, which is amazing. And then the London 2012 Olympic and Paralympics happened. That was fantastic. I went. I went going to the Paralympics uh, in London. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Ironically, I didn't get to go and see any cycling <laughs> in person, but uh, I was hooked on the TV, and uh, yeah, so that was that was great, very inspiring, mm. and uh, then from there, uh, we got an email from BC, just after London, to say that there was that, uh, there was going to be a talent ID day, or a series of talent ID days, in December, right. in late 2012, and uh, I was like, I want to go to that, so... Um, we we booked, well, we just showed up to this, uh, I think it was like a Paralympics GB talent ID day. So I had all the Paralympic sports that you can think of, from uh, table tennis to equestrian to uh, archery. And uh, I was only really interested in cycling. Yeah. So uh, I went over to the uh, cycling stand and uh, I think I was asked to do a Three, a three minute and a six minute power test. Right. And then from my from my results that I produced, I was then they had like a chart on, on the wall to see where you'd be, and I, I was I, I I qualified as it were. Brilliant. And then I I didn't hear anything back from them for about a month month and a half, and then I got a. Uh, I got an email from the team manager at the time, Gary Shepherd, and uh, he said, we'd like to see you again in Newport, in Wales. Yeah, where so, there's uh, a track, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's how it started. And then I had a, a few more series of those talent ID days. Right, so, so just to interrupt, yeah. at this point, you're only like 14, 15 years old, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was 15. Yeah. And then... Yeah, sorry, I'm going a bit quick. No, 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 no. Yeah. Just, to, just for the listeners to realise that this is happening when you're quite young, and so, um, yeah, you got on this and did these power tests, and obviously they saw from that that you had potential and how right they were, and so they invited you up to Newport and a few other days. And what, what did sort of things happen there? Were you doing more tests, or were you actually going round and so round the velodrome at this point? So it was a mix between more physical testing and actual velodrome riding to see if we could actually ride on the track. And uh, after a few more uh, ID days in Newport, I was then confirmed on the development program in May of 2013. Cool. And then that kind of got me into into the system. Yeah. So they were like... When I when 
I got on development. There were tiers of squads, so there was development, academy, and podium. Yeah. So as soon as I got on development, I then worked on the next few years, getting promoted to academy and then podium. Brilliant, brilliant. And what at that stage when you were on that development, would you say that the biggest challenges were? the technical ones or the actual fitness? Was it harder being fit and strong enough or was it harder actually developing the ability, the technical ability to ride well on the track and to get sort of the specific skills you need for those track events? I think I think I was fortunate that my swimming days had given me such a good base of fitness. And uh, it's funny, my dad goes on about it these days and says, oh, yeah, your swimming gave you such a good base that it was it was amazing, and uh, he's probably not wrong because yeah. uh, I, kept, I I was a fairly decent swimmer. Uh, I mean, I wasn't as good a swimmer as I now I'm cyclist. Yeah, but I, I, I wasn't I wasn't bad. Uh, so yeah, so I think I came in at quite a good level already, and then it was just a case of as, as you say, just learning all the technical elements and, and was the coaching good for that was that only on the times you went up there or did you have coaching when you were back in Cambridge as well so uh, it wasn't until we we got confirmed on the programme that we had a coach assigned to us but in the grand scheme of things um, the time between uh, the talent ID days and getting confirmed on the uh, programme wasn't that longer of a wait so yeah. uh, soon enough we were having training plans and coaches at our disposal so yeah. right well do you think do you think the level of support there for that age group let's say 15 through to 18 is good i mean obviously the british have done brilliantly oh, do yeah absolutely it's absolutely world class and i mean i i, I was uh it was quite strange for me actually because most of my teammates are quite a bit older than me. So uh, all of a sudden, I was sort of gone from doing PE at school with people, people my own age, yeah. to uh, yeah, people, people in that being on the GB team with people in their mid thirties. So it was, it was quite a, it was quite a nice, quite a nice uh, change. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Of course, you're all different ages, aren't you? That's very, that must yeah. have been strange. Yeah, they probably saw oh. you. They probably saw you as a bit of a threat, didn't they? No, well, as I said about classification, yeah. at that point, I was the only C2 on the program. Right. So uh, all the other riders were different classifications, and uh, I must say, being being on the development group with those people who were some of those teammates who are still my teammates has been the biggest privilege I have I could ever ask for out of this whole experience it's been absolutely fantastic and uh, yeah we've definitely shared some great memories oh, yeah, well, hopefully, our time on the squad hopefully you can tell us one or two stories in, in a bit when we've just sort of when we've run through your career a bit more so so you started off on the on the development level and then when did you move up to a stage where you could actually start getting selected for teams? So I think that was in... Uh, so I went... I think I went 
2013, 2014 on development, and then I had my first race for GB internationally in uh, May of 2014. And what event was that? It was a World World Cup in Italy. Yeah, and what Just was that. what was your discipline then? What did what was the actual event that you did? Uh, time, time trial and road race. Okay, so how long was the time trial? Uh, Sorry. Uh, it, it was probably about a half, half an hour. All right. So sorry. So you're not on the track at this point. This is on the road. No, 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 no. This is this is all on the this is all on the road. Okay. So so when so at this point you're doing track and road in your training. Yeah. Cool. And so yes. Yeah, so you were you hadn't been like pigeonholed as, as a track rider or as a road rider. You you could do both equally well, as it were. Not at that stage, no. Brilliant, brilliant. Did you did you enjoy the road? Oh yeah, I, I really enjoyed the road. I, I enjoyed travelling to all these different places. It was it was it, it it's fantastic when you get to see so much of uh yeah the world through cycling. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm I'm guessing you you had as you say the the support was great. So you must have had great equipment, great technical support, and. Uh, that brought you to a, a really high level, and you could see how the you know how a real performance athlete works, and that must have. Oh, yeah. I, absolutely, but at, at that stage of my career, I was uh, still on development. So uh, at that level, we weren't we weren't given bikes, or we weren't given a multitude of bikes, and there was uh, a limit to how much support we got. But uh, nevertheless, uh, the whole uh, support. At the World Cup was awesome, but uh, I actually ended up doing uh, the TT on my dad's old really? circle to work skiing bike. Wow, <laughs> amazing! And uh, and yeah, my college CRC had given me a grant towards a bike which I also was racing on in the road race, so uh, although I I hadn't got to the level yet where I was being given bikes by BC. I um, I was well catered for in that regard. Right, and you were still able to be competitive on on those bikes, obviously, to at least to a point where they could recognise your potential. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I still I still had input from BC on how to best uh, how to best uh, like set up. Yeah, how to best set up uh, the equipment that I did have. So it wasn't like I was totally in the dark in that regard. So yeah, I, I, I made the best of the equipment that I had at that stage of my career. Yeah. And, and looking back now, would you say you were already pretty fit at that point? Would you say you were in good shape compared to the levels you got to? Would you say you were like at 80% yet or, or were you way below that still? Well, it, it, uh, it's interesting you say that. I think... Uh, I think I still had scope. Yeah. Or oh, I still, I still, I was, so, I was so young. I was like sixteen at my first World Cup. So uh, I must admit, it was just a massive learning experience. Like I remember getting out on the TT, and it was full closed roads. Yeah. And uh, we we had like a a police motor a police motorbike outrider to kind of keep uh, people off the roads, and I just remember. 
thinking to myself, this is so cool. Yeah, well, it's just like, you know, you, why not? It's just as good as, as being in the Giro right now, isn't it? It's yeah, the same sort of thing. Awesome. This, is, this is just like being in the Tour de France. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was your first experience of these sort of World Cup races and uh, yep. it wasn't long till you were actually in a World Championship itself, was it? Yeah, so uh, going back to your, the original question, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, 20, 2014 was my first World World Cup. Uh, 2015 was my first World Championships, where I competed on the track in Appledorn in Holland. And how did you get on there? I think I I got 10th, 5th and 7th in the Kilo Team Sprint and Pursuit. Excellent. And, and at this so, at this stage, you're only like still only sixteen, seventeen, aren't you? Yeah. So I think I was seventeen uh, in yeah yeah I was seventeen in twenty fifteen. Yeah. So that that that, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then from my uh, exploits in Appledorn, I was then promoted to academy. Right. And then I fast forward to 2016 and the 2016 uh, World Champs for my expert there, which was uh, great. I think I got fifth, third and first. So this was your first World Championship gold. And, yeah. and what, what discipline was that in? So that was in the team sprint with Jody Candy and John Allen Butterworth. Brilliant. Yeah, so at this point, are you still, have you given up your studies at this point or are you still living in Cambridge? No, no, so uh, throughout, my, throughout my career up until, uh, I think it was 2017, I, uh, I was still studying and I was still right. a full-time student, as it were. Right, right. Cool, so that, that, yeah. that gold medal, surely that then put you on the podium thing, didn't it? Yeah. So uh yeah, so then I was promoted to podium for my uh team sprint success, which was great, fantastic. And then uh yeah, it was just uh I think it was like six months to Rio then. And uh yeah. Can, can you tell us um what the team sprint involves, how many in the in the team and how the event works? So the team sprint is a 750 metre race and there are three riders within a team and uh, I'm the first rider who does the first lap and then man two who's the second rider does the second lap and then man three who's the last rider finishes and uh, puts the time down. Cool, yeah. So so you do the start, is, is that a standing start? Yeah, that's a standing start from the gate. So that that takes yeah. a bit of explosivity, doesn't it? T- tell us yeah, a bit. Tell um, us a bit about the training you do to get that start right. Well, it's funny you should say that because uh, up until that point, I was kind of mixing pursuit training and team sprint training. So. Uh, yeah, so I trained for team sprint, which is very explosive and very short, sharp, uh, powerful stuff. And then my pursuiting would be kind of more longer, more sustained efforts. So uh, 
that was something that I had to balance throughout. Uh, that's something that I've had to balance throughout my career. Mm. That sort of having to be good for one lap and then having to be good for 12. So, so has that been the responsibility of one particular coach to balance that for you or has that been a negotiated thing or has it worked? Uh, well, that's something that me and my coach had, uh, had, try and, had tried to uh, get the best out of both worlds. So when we, had a, when we had a team sprint, I mean, it was hard when... Uh, so going into the 2016 World Champs, I didn't know that I was going to be doing a team sprint. So I'd been solely focused on... Uh, pursuit and getting my pursuit the absolute best it could be. Yeah. So uh, then I was kind of uh, drafted into the team sprint at the last minute. Yeah. Which, uh, was a bit of. T- t- tell us that story because it really was last minute, wasn't it? So uh, unfortunately, one of the riders who was supposed to be in the team sprint on the Sunday was reclassified which meant they weren't eligible to race in the team anymore. So uh, then I was drafted in to replace them. And uh, I was told this on the Tuesday. And we raced on the Sunday. And we didn't have any training time in between. So our first race together, we had raced before, the September beforehand. And this was in the March the following year. So we had had experience with each other, uh, but this was our first race back together, and it was qualifying for the World Champs. So uh, yeah. it was a bit t- touch and go, but uh, we made the best of our the situation. Well, you did a bit more than that, because you actually set a world record time, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> sorry, that, that was... Uh, we, we, we were surprised by that. We didn't expect to do that well, given that what we uh, what the stakes were and what the uh, yeah what the situation was. So yeah, we just tried to take it in our stride, and we uh, we managed to go even quicker in the finals, which was even more of a shock. So yeah, yeah, I, I could do the office. Just a bit, just a bit. And of course, from there, then it's, um, I presume, then it's like complete focus on Rio at that point. Well, uh, well did you know what uh, events you'd been selected for at that point? Well, it's interesting to ask, because up until that point, so between March and September, when, uh, when the games were scheduled to be held, uh, BC were appealing against the classification of the rider who'd been uh, who wasn't able to compete sure so uh, I wasn't told that I was going to Rio until two weeks before we went to the holding camp so uh, I didn't know so the team had their team launch in I think it was June in 2016 and uh, I wasn't a part of it right and then I was I was given the go ahead in yeah two weeks before the holding camp and then we had a two week holding camp which is like a uh, a big training camp before we fly out to the games and then yeah uh, 
we'll be in Rio and we'll be competing. And it was it was a fairly uh, it was a fairly good roller coaster ride to be on. Just a bit, yeah. Well, it must have been strange thinking or not being. Did you, so when you didn't know, were you thinking there was? You obviously thought there would there was a chance you might be going, but you just didn't know. If, was it you were you thinking it's fifty fifty or what were you thinking? very optimistic and I mean I was talking to my teammates and I was being like well if I don't go it's been, it's been good and I'm still world champion and if I do go it'd be fantastic but either way I'm just happy to still be on the team and have the GB flag on my back so um, I was trying to keep it all in I was trying to keep calm about it all and trying not to get too <laughs> held up on how big it was going to be yeah yeah and um, so when you when you got out there, you were in two events. Is that right? You were in the the team sprint. I, I, I was actually in. Uh, wait. I was actually in like four events. Okay. Yeah, four T- events. Tell us what they were. So I was in the three k pursuit, which is uh, the event that I placed fifth in the previous at the World Champs. Uh, which I then ended up getting my bronze medal in, which was fantastic. And was that and was I, that uh, one of was that the first event you did when you were there, or was? It... Yeah, that was the first event we did. Brilliant! So that was yeah. a good start. That was a good start then, wasn't it? Yeah, best start we could hope for. And then from my kilo, I then did the uh, from my pursuit. Sorry, I then did the kilo, which is four laps. Yeah. Which. I'd got my bronze medal in at the World Championships back in March, so uh, I was in good form for that. But um, at the Paralympics, the uh, the kilo was factored between, I think it was three categories, so I ended up placing seventh in that. Uh, okay. Which was still a good, so you you were still you, a good result. You but, were you were going against people in different categories. Yeah, and then depending on your classification, you get a different factor time. I got you. It's uh, a percentage of so. Sure. And, uh, that must be a yeah, very yeah. that must be a very difficult thing to do, like to come up yeah, with well, come up with a fair system is almost impossible, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean they do the best they can, but yeah. whichever way you look at it, there's always going to be discrepancies and kind of it's all it's always going to favour one. Uh, category and it doesn't help that the uh, sea runs are absolutely rapid, so right. it's uh, it's quite hard to kind of uh, yeah. yeah. So how do you know how many do you know how many C twos were above you in that seven? I don't actually. No. Right. I think I don't if I'm honest. No, fair enough. But yeah, so it's it's so long ago then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, okay. So you've yeah, got so you've got a bronze and a seventh so far. Yeah, and then I did the. Uh, what was it? I couldn't get on or I couldn't get in. So uh, 
I just remember the carers and the swallies who help us get changed and give us uh, all our gels and kit were kind of helping me to get changed. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite funny. <laughs> and then, so I, I remember having like a five minute warm up for our qualification. Wow. Which was a bit, which was a bit touching on, a bit stressful. And uh, were you on the first leg yeah. again? Were you on the first lap again? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so being number one means that uh, you are, uh, my only job was to do the uh, first lap. Mm. So uh, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing man two or man three. I wouldn't be good enough. But anyway. Um, but five minute warm up. I mean, what would you, what would your normal warm up be? Long? How long would your normal warm up be? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit touch and go and a bit stressful, as I said. Yeah. And uh, we, we were lucky in a way because we had uh, an hour between qualifying and finals. So uh, I was able to make a lot better effort of my second one up than I did my yeah. first. But, uh, yeah, that, was, that wasn't through any fault of my own. It was just a bit stressful. Uh, so yeah, we qualified and we ended up qualifying fastest, which is great. Yeah. Which meant that we qualified on the home street, uh, qualified for the home street for the finals. And then yeah, when the finals came, it was just a blur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I, put, I I pulled off after lap one. Yeah. And remember, I normally shout to my other two teammates when I put off but I just remember keeping completely silent <laughs> throughout the finals which was uh, a bit weird but then uh, I saw the timing screen when my team spin, uh, teammate finished that we'd broken a world record again and uh, that was just an amazing feeling yeah. and, uh, something that I'll never forget yeah, I mean, I presume the atmosphere was amazing, was it? Was there a really good atmosphere out there? Oh, yeah. So uh, all our family and friends came out, and uh, that was awesome. But we didn't get to see them that much. So uh, the only times we got to see them was uh, when we went up to the fence when competing and finished. And, uh, so the team spent in the... Run racing calendar in the track racing calendar was the last event. So when when we'd finished our world record ride, there was no other racing. Right. So we were able to kind of milk it and go up. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Had, had pictures taken and everything like that. So that was special because uh, previously in Monte Carlo. When we'd finished our world, world record ride there, mm. uh, my coach whisked me off to my turbo. Oh, yeah. And then my other two teammates were like stuck on the, uh, well, stuck on the velodrome waving to everyone there, and I was nowhere to be seen. So <laughs> I, 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 I made a promise to them that if, if Rio went wrong, well, we were going to make a make amends of Monte <laughs> And you did, and you did. Yeah, can, can, you, you've talked about your coach a few times. Can we name and shame him then, this man that drags you off the track to go on a turbo when you should be celebrating? Uh, I, I don't think we should name and shame him. Oh. He was just trying to do his job. No, no, okay. It, it, it 
definitely a memorable moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to give the listeners some idea, I mean, I, I must admit, I was quite ignorant on the sort of speeds you were doing. We were chatting just before um, we started recording that we worked out that the speed you're doing there is in the mid-50s, you know, in fact, high 50s kilometres per hour. So, you know, you're not hanging about, are you, at all? I mean, if, uh, you know, if any listeners are out there, I mean, we may have one or two um sort of semi-professional cyclist listening but most people me included to get to that sort of speed even for one second would be beyond me these days so uh, i think we've got to really be aware of how talented you are and what amazing power and speed and technique because you need all three on a track especially that um that you guys are putting out um would you say that that was your sort of greatest moment there in rio then in that team sprint I'd say that was definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you could, uh, I'll, I'll go back on that. I'd say, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've seen a picture which I'll put on uh, Instagram. You've got of you uh, checking the medals reel there. You're biting your, your Olympic medal. <laughs> yeah. Was, the, so, was um, the medal ceremony straight after or was it later? Uh, it was about an hour after. Yeah. So I, I, remember, I remember as well that... Uh, yeah, so I just dressed. I was in my skin suit, and we would. I was dressed in my ceremony tracksuit over that. So uh, yeah, I, I didn't have much time to uh, much time to change after I got off my bike because you have to go through uh, the press pin, the press pen. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, but obviously, I was wanted for a few interviews, and yeah. then by that point, I kind of had to go straight to the podium. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, do you know what? Are you sort of happy with the sort of coverage that, first of all, that the paracycling got in general back home? And do you think your your specific team and yourself got the sort of uh, attention you deserved in, uh, around the Rio thing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the reception I got back from back home was absolutely amazing. And uh, it was quite funny. I sort of, uh, I came off social media for the whole of the of the whole of my sort of events and uh, I remember I finished uh, my time trial which was two days after our team spent and then when I got back to the village I sort of reopened my Facebook and it was all going absolutely crazy yeah I bet I bet yeah Wow, and, and you know it's a natural thing though. After that, did you did you have a period where you felt was there a bit of a sort of downtime after that, like the post post Rio Blues? So yes, there was, but I was quite lucky in the fact that I was still a student at college. So I think I I I came back to the UK, had a week off, and then was back back into college. Yeah, yeah, and. So, so I mean, obviously, it's not just it's not just Olympic medals that motivates you. I'm guessing here. I mean, what what is it that you love about cycling and keeps you cycling? Let's find out what what motivates I just, Louis. I just I just feel like it's uh, it's something that I've always been passionate about, and when I'm not riding my bike, I'm watching bike racing or kind of looking at what other people are doing in the cycling world. Yeah. It's something that I'm very passionate about, as I say. Yeah. And uh, I just love it how like, I've been allowed to revive with my dad today. I've uh, I ride with my teammates back up in um, 
back up in Manchester. So it's a, it's a sport that you can do with everyone and anyone, and uh, anyone can get involved in it. And it's a uh, it's a great way of getting your form of exercise. Yeah. So do you do you honestly love training? You love all everything, road track. You just love it, do you? Or are there some bits that yeah. you hate? Do you do much training off the bike? Do you, you hit the weights much? Um, I I do. I, I when when I'm in the heavy training block, I'm in the gym three times a week. So uh, yeah, so uh, that's definitely an important part of the training too. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and uh, are you, would you say you're so since Rio? Obviously, you've carried on riding, and you've you've had some good moments since as well. What what's keeping you interested now and what, what how, what's the future hold? Are you thinking of maybe going back to the road a bit? I mean, you said you're out with your dad today. Would you... So, uh, yeah, I'd definitely like to, uh, I'd definitely like to get back out on the road and start road racing and stuff like that. I think that'd be good. And then just getting, just getting fit really. And I mean, I, I think it's important for me to try and, Yeah, are, are there opportunities for like the the roadside of things? Is that an easy thing to get experience of the racing and so on? How how does that work? Well, um, so uh, so you can go onto the British Cycling website and just enter racing if you've got a license, which is fairly easy to acquire if yeah. you're a keen cyclist. Yeah. And then, I mean, pre-COVID, it was easy to kind of uh, go down and enter a bike race, but now it's a few and far between with COVID. Sure. But um, I've actually got a road race planned for next month in in Bath, right? Which will be my first, which will be my first road race since uh, uh, twenty eighteen. So I'm really looking forward to uh, getting stuck into that. Cool. So what? what so I'm sorry, I'm being. I'm probably ignorant here. Would that be still with like mixed category or what sort of? with that what sort of road race would that yeah. be yeah so that circuit race would make categories cool and what sort of distance would that be then so that uh, the, the so I'm doing two races next month the road race is uh, I think an hour long one like a closed circuit and then there's like a, a 19 mile time trial wow right okay so, so yeah that is a bit more endurance based isn't it yeah. Yeah, training harder than I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've mentioned both the support your mum and your dad have given you. Is, is there any any other people that on along the way that you do want to mention as like being particularly influential? Any Cambridge people particularly that that you want to give a shout out to or not? So I, I would have to say uh, my uh, my old swimming coaches and. Uh, 
And are, are you a member of the Cambridge Cycling Club at all still, or, or not? Is that something that you used to so, do? So, I, I, I'm, I'm like an honorary member at the moment. So, I, I used to be a member, and then I, uh, I was given the opportunity to change clubs to Parity, which is uh, the cycling team, which my team sprint teammate, John DeCundy, uh, oh, yeah. is the founder of. So uh, when he asked me to join that club, that was a bit of a no-brainer, really. But uh, the uh, the support that I've been given by Cambridge Cycling Club has been absolutely fantastic. And yeah, they've definitely helped shape the rider I am today. Brilliant. Yeah, well, I suppose even though I've got to, I've got to put my cards on the table here, I'm I'm not a, a royalist at all. But uh, I suppose we ought to mention that you've had another award as well, haven't you? When when, when did that yeah. that those three letters get added to your name? So that that that, that was in uh, that was in March of 2017. Yeah, and that was a MBE. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. But yeah, uh, that that was fantastic as well. So. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, that was fantastic and that was a great way to kind of finish off the whole Rio chapter. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Cool. Well, um, I don't know, you've probably not had a chance to listen to any of my podcasts, but I always ask um, every uh, guest. I have actually. Oh. I was, I was listening earlier. With, oh. I'm very impressed. <laughs> in, in that case, you know what to expect. So I'm going to ask you what your favourite training session is and what your favourite food for performance is. Excellent. So, uh, my favourite training session is probably the hardest training session, but it's probably 2040s. So, 20 seconds flat out and then 40 seconds off right. times 8 to 10. So, uh, yeah. And would this, be done on, would, this be, would this be done on the track or the turbo or what? Uh, turbo, yeah, right. sorry. So, that, that's like an intense hour-long interval session so you do that you do the 20 40 10 times have a have a rest and then do that three three times more yeah so yeah that's a fairly big training that's a fairly effective yes training session and then i'd say my favorite food would have to be probably probably something really simple like chicken and pasta yeah, it's a uh, just easy to make and quite nice as well. Yeah, yeah. 
Sorry to be boring. No, not at all. I'm just wondering whether, you know, that with. No, no, but I'm just wondering whether, you know, with your sort of uh, high performance support and that, did they uh, monitor your nutrition quite closely or was that left up to you a bit? Yeah, so that, so at events we'll have a nutritionist come out with us and it's, it's quite funny because obviously when we're training for these races, an event we are in hotel we're in hotels with normal normal hotel guests so um, yeah. the food that we get on on the odd occasion we'll get our own chef to come out with us and prepare our food but uh in the early days uh we'd just be uh, eating at normal hotel dining times so you'd have the whole selection of and meal time, so you'd have like the dessert names <laughs> and the starters, and uh, it was quite funny because at the start of the week, when uh, we were, I don't know, four days out from competing, no one in our in our group would go anywhere near or dare to go anywhere near the dessert table. And then <laughs> on the Sunday, on the Sunday when everyone finished racing. Uh, Everyone would be at the <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I can imagine you've got some. Well, as you say, you you know, in your time there with uh, Team GB, you've been mixing with some older blokes there and older women as well, of course. And uh, have you got any any little stories you want to divulge? Any funny moments, or just has it just been constant fun all the way? It, it's just been constant fun all the way, and I mean, like. I, I've been fortunate enough to meet so many great people and uh, the the, story, the memories that we hold together will be something that I hold on for, yeah, uh, all my life. It's been, it's been great. Uh, I don't know which one can I tell you. Um, so, yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you about the uh, closing someone in Rio. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was at the American R and now uh, we... Uh, we got buses from the Athlete Village to the Maracla, which is about a good hour commute from the Athlete Village right. to the Maracla. And we had, uh, there wasn't, so all the Paralympics for GB were being transported on these buses. Well, not just Paralympics GB, actually. Everyone in the village who wanted to go to the closing ceremony was being facilitated to go. Sure. So uh, we had multiple nations on these buses. So there was about 20 buses full of athletes going to America now. And uh, yeah, we, we got a police escort hey. from, uh, from the village to America now, which was something that uh, was very cool. And then, yeah, the party uh, in the village after the uh, closing ceremony was something that was also quite cool but uh, I just remember having to go to bed really really early <laughs> and taking myself up uh, at about I don't know half eleven and we got back to the village at about ten so uh, yeah I, I definitely didn't stay down uh, stayed on at the party very long but I heard that it was quite an eventful party <laughs> <laughs> I bet I bet, I bet. Like they protected you youngsters a bit then <laughs> yeah, that's what 
<laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, I'm sure after hearing this, people will, you know, want to. Uh, keeping you know keep an eye on what what you're getting up to so what what's the best way for people to keep an eye on your progress so i'm on i'm on instagram uh i'm on twitter uh i'm on facebook uh so on twitter and instagram i'm under at rocket Rolf, which is a, a nickname that my uh first coach gave to me which is stuck that's a good one rocket Rolf. Uh, i like that yeah yeah and then on, on Facebook, I'm under Lou Rolf Paracyclist. And yeah, that's all my channels. Uh, <laughs> cool. I've, I've done all the plugging that I can do. <laughs> I know, that's great. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, is there anything else you want to add? If not, I will, I'm just going to thank you because that's brilliant. And I can, you know, I can I can picture you now. I, can, I did, do remember seeing you... Um, in, in those events because they were televised here obviously in the with the, the paracycling and to have a Cambridge Olympic cycling medalist is, is appropriate you know we're a cycling city and, we're, and we deserve a, an Olympic gold medalist don't we so in you we, we've got it and you're still in Cambridge now you're on Newmarket Road within shouting distance of the mighty U's <laughs> on their promotion week um, but uh, yeah no it's been fantastic having you on Louis and uh, uh, you know, hopefully one day uh, we'll see you out there and uh, on on the road, maybe cycling. And uh, obviously, we'll be following your progress. And let's hope there's many great things to come because you're still extremely young, aren't you? What are you? Twenty four now. Twenty three. Twenty three. Still, there you go. Well, yeah. you, you haven't. Yeah, you're still in nappies, really, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Th- thanks, Ben. I think we're on it. It's been great fun. Thank you. That's my pleasure. Thanks, Louis, and uh, you take care and, and keep being brilliant. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Lou Rolf as much as I did. What a wonderful guy. And uh, I ought to say that it perhaps gave the impression at the end there that he was taking a completely new route with the road races and so on that he's planning. But he is still very much a part of the Team GB setup, and uh, he's still based up in Manchester, just back in Cambridge for a short while, and he'll be rejoining the squad and all the training that goes with that in due course. And, of course, you can follow his progress on his social media channels, which he mentions during the interview. As I said earlier, please share this episode and also have a listen to the previous episode with Professor Costas Karagiorgis talking about the relationship between music and endurance sport. It's not had many listens yet and I really think it's one of the best episodes. So if you have the time, please have a listen to that one as well got more great guests coming up soon make sure you tune in again please spread the word keep on training keep on enjoying whatever endurance sport it is you do and in life keep enduring <laughs>